Episode number 84, stand-up comedian Chris Shaw is in the Springs. Colorado is super awesome. Colorado is uh, it's beautiful. Do the dad thing. Kids don't really like you. Who are you? Do I even know you? It's still, it's kind of like magical. Everybody can be funny at some point in time. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, ready to go. Whatever you are. <laughs> All right, we got uh, Chris Shaw in the Springs. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. Uh, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. So when did you get into town? I got into town earlier today, about was eleven. It was this morning. It's actually the earliest I've ever gotten to uh, Colorado. <laughs> about a, I picked the uh, the other comedian up from the airport about uh, eleven o'clock, eleven twenty, eleven twenty nine. And and why were you excited to get to Colorado, Chris? Because Colorado, <laughs> Colorado is super awesome. Colorado is uh, it's beautiful. Come it's, on, uh, say it. It's, say it. It's gorgeous, <laughs> and it's one of my favorite places to go to in the whole wide world. <laughs> Just because of the mountains and the fresh air and all that. Because of the mountains, the fresh air, and you know, I really uh, stay hydrated up here. Um, hydrated, hydrated. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Nice. <laughs> it's cool, man. No, it's it's one of my favorite places to perform at. It's a uh, very receptive crowds. Um, I'm I'm really into nature and just like I, I've traveled around for years. And one of my favorite times ever um, on the road was uh, hold on a second. One of my favorite times on the road was uh, actually uh, when I came to this actual club to uh, audition for him on a Sunday night, and I just got a call. That I had gotten, uh, I gotten a part on the Peyton Manning commercials, and it was his first commercial, and it was my first ever commercial. So no kidding. Yeah. So I had left. I left my. I had the audition on the Sunday, Sunday night. The next day, I had to drop off my family in Aurora at a hotel, and they. Uh, it was uh, my wife and uh, two kids at the time. Well, I still have two kids. I don't have a wife. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I flew home, back to Indianapolis. And then that next day, I, sh- I shot a commercial with Peyton Manning. I ended up getting a part where I was the high five guy in the commercial. So, uh, and then I flew back here. Then we did Craig, uh, Colorado, Gunnison, Colorado, That's Grand Junction. That's crazy, man. Yeah, I was, it's like I'll never forget specifically coming to this very club. It's always stuck in my mind. Yeah, yeah, the good memories with that. Oh yeah. So now is Indy still home for you? Indy's or? still home, but uh, you know I've, I've made stops in uh, um, West Hollywood and also. Um, Harlem, New York, and um, it's kind of it's kind of hard right now because you know I have like kids; they're getting older. I have five kids, and uh, I've had my kids since the beginning of my comedy career. I had my first kid when I started comedy, Holy like at, at the age of twenty-eight. So, um, you know, through through a couple marriages, and you know, just being on the road is just at a certain point in time is just time. You gotta you gotta kind of like focus on the family a little bit, and like I want I want to put good citizens out there in the world it's too many crazy kids out there yeah yeah so uh I, I have the best kids that you can ever ask for i mean i, I know every parent's gonna say that but my kids like for for uh me to be out as much as i am when i am out uh their moms have done great jobs with them and you know they're they're great citizens but you know it takes a little bit more than sometimes just a mom has have, have to be a dad so when i come off the road i do the dad thing and try to make sure that, you know, and I stay in contact with my kids, like, you know, throughout the time I'm gone. Yeah. You know, like, I, I used to want to call them and talk to them all the time. Then it got to a point where I, 
they like they didn't want to talk to me, so I had to live like a <laughs> few days. Age, yeah. yeah, I had to let a few days build up before like I would call them. Sometimes I let four four days build up, and I'll check on them. I my text their mom or something like that. But you know, like kids don't really like you when they get that old man. Like I didn't <laughs> want right. to. I don't want to be that guy. Like yeah. I, I thought I was like the coolest dude in the world, and I still feel like that. But uh, I mean, my kids think that I'm cool. I do think they think that. Yeah, they they know I'm funny, and I think they're funny. But it's just like we don't get a chance to. Uh, like they uh they don't want to have a phone conversation with me like hey, yep hey dad miss you too love you too yep mm-hmm. then pass the phone to the next kid and, yeah yeah and that well i have to request yeah. I, it's like a request line <laughs> i want to hear a song like where's so and so at yeah put him on the phone where's chris is he right there but yeah it's cool man i, I uh now they're, they're to the age where they actually understand what I'm doing. Yeah, I was like, actually just going to ask you that. Do they appreciate what what you do for a living? And they do now. Now, now they 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 can watch TV. Uh, my son, he was quoting uh, one of those new Chris Tucker specials uh, on Netflix, and uh, he was quoting. He was doing the he was doing Chris Tucker impressions, and he was pretty damn good at it. And I was like, like you do Chris Tucker? He's like, yeah, man, I do a couple. I was like, man, who are you? Do I even know you? <laughs> like it was it was the weirdest thing in the world. And um, just to find that my kids they. Uh, they use humor to get them throughout their life as well. And that was the thing, because I was introvert, and I, I was never one of those kind of uh, people that uh, that you expect to, to do comedy if you knew me from way, 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 way back. But then at a certain point in time, I used I used, um, I used a gif of laughter to, uh, to make sure that I connected with people and, um, you know, just to come out of that shell. It was once I saw that I made people happy, I was able to communicate a little bit better. And uh, it, it helps with the bullies and stuff, too. So know? was it kind of a defense mechanism oh, for, for sure. you as a kid? Yeah, it's like a porcupine, you know what I mean? Nobody's really going to touch a porcupine because it's like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I probably could smash it, but what if I don't smash it? I'm going to like get blistered. And it's the same thing with me. It's like, yeah, this guy's cool. I could smash him, but he's funny. Just let me, let me, I'll leave him alone and let him entertain me. But I just like to see if I can control somebody's emotions as far as, as, far as laughter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... Uh, I think people should be laughing all the time. Too many people are like frowning all the time, and just just people work so hard at being mean that I mean it, it, it's like working twice as hard. It's easy to be happy all the time. Yeah. So now to back up a little bit, what was what was it that drew you to get up on stage the first time? As far as you were you were funny as a kid, and that was something that you you know was part of your personality. But at what point did you decide, yeah, I'm going to get up on stage, grab a microphone, and try to make strangers laugh? Well, actually, uh, going back a little bit to uh, when I was like five years old, my grandma, she gave me a joke book, and she had a beauty salon, so I would, uh, I would go up and down the aisle, and I would tell jokes to all these patrons and, and uh, beauticians, and, and uh, that's where that all began, and that's how I first initially came out of the show. And then uh, I still have that joke book to this very day. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, my grandma, she passed away 10 years ago, but everything is still, like, it just kept building up, kept building up, and then after a while, it came to a point in time to where... You know, uh, people kept telling me that I was really funny. And uh, this one guy named uh, Brian Hoyle, he was in my neighborhood, and he told me, he said, um, uh, two things I remember Brian for. Brian introduced me into something other than WWF wrestling. He, uh, I had no idea there were other federations. He induced, introduced me to Ric Flair. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> I, I, didn't, I had no idea who Ric Flair was. He's like, you don't know who Ric Flair is? I was like, no. And I would have never, ever, I would have regretted not knowing that. 
And so at least I found out at that age. Right, right. And uh, he and Brian, I'm also uh, familiar with Brian for also telling me this thing. He said, uh, you know what? I can never be mad at you. For any time I ever wanted to be mad at you, I can never be mad at you. You always make me happy. And then uh, and I thought about that, and I was like, why were you mad at me? That's why. That's the, that's the part I was focusing. I'm like, what did I do for you to be mad at me? But yeah. it was uh, at that. I've never forgotten uh, Brian saying that. Hey, what's going on, flying realtors? Um, shout out where you from? We're at the podcast. Uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan, what's the podcast name? Uh, in the Springs. In the Springs, we got some live viewers from uh, Periscope. Nice, Just give man. A shout out, Indianapolis. Um, so yeah, everything is uh, everything has changed a little bit, you know. So it was your first time on stage? Was that an indie? Was that where you grew up? Yeah, it was in India, and I got a job at a comedy. I got a bad accident. It was like my last real job having, uh, and I got a bad accident at the end of the uh, nineteen ninety nine. So um, I wasn't able to work, and then I, I went to a series of jobs working Universal Music, you know, like restocking CDs back in the uh, slots, uh, and then um, something inside said, "Hey, man, stop, stop this." running whatever you're doing stop it and like do what you're supposed to do and after that uh i, I, I contacted a comedy club and then uh I, I gave him a fake name i gave him my name like flipped around and they wrote me back this is how long ago this was it was in the it was in 2000 but uh there was still mail being sent out there were no emails right that, right. that didn't even exist yeah so i uh I think I called enough to message, and in return, I got a letter in the mail and said, "You have been approved to come and and to the open mic." And I, and I, I think I still had that letter, maybe somewhere. Um, and <laughs> nothing ever happened. Nothing ever happened. And then I end up applying at uh, I seen a, I seen an ad in a, in a paper for Crackers Comedy Club. Then I'm going to go apply there. Just for staff. For staff. Gotcha, gotcha, right? okay. And because uh, I had this whole idea that I wanted to do the behind the scenes thing and figure it all out, and then I was going to go from there. So um, I, it was an underground newspaper, not the regular newspaper. So not only did I see an ad for hiring, it was a full page editorial. And then, like, I went there and I got hired for a door guy. Uh, then I then I got I got to cooking within a week, and then like within two weeks, I was assistant to the general manager. And then I was in charge of marketing, promo, and I. And at the same time, I started modeling uh, for malls and stuff. And then I started, um, I started getting hair shows. I started uh, taking acting classes. I signed with a talent agency. Started doing commercials. Like and that's what I had to pay many commercials. So yeah. everything kind of like just, just took off at the same. time. And then I had a kid. You know what I mean? Like it, everything just, just happened all at the same time. So uh, it's been a long journey. But like when I look back at like you know 16 years when I first got on stage. It's um, it's still it's kind of like magical just yeah. because the first time it was like uh, I worked there and I would watch everybody get up and I would watch everybody get up and then I, it was a contest the funniest person in Indianapolis and I wanted to enter that contest but I was going to enter the last second I could possibly wait because I was my nerves were so bad yeah uh, right before that it was a radio contest at um uh to open up for Jamie Fox and um. I remember because my best friend who passed away a couple summers ago, he walked me to the stage and I was playing the character of a blind guy. And my name was uh, Rince Dew. And um, so I, I walk up there and the, and the radio guy is like, hey, uh, get off Rince Dew. And he's like, oh, I guess he's supposed to be blind because I had on glasses. And then from that moment, I ripped off the glasses and I just I just went at that guy's head and I just roasted him so bad. And the crowd was just dying laughing. Then I advanced to the next round. Then I advanced to the next round. And then by then, my best friend, who was never a comedian, but he was so cheap, 
that he wanted some tickets to the Jamie Foxx show himself. So he entered the contest. I went to the bathroom. I'm changing to this costume I was wearing at the time. And I come out, and he's, uh, <laughs> I hear them introduce him. And he went out and got his own intro music and everything. It was hilarious. Uh, and he actually took a place. He took third place that night. And not because he was funny, because he was not funny. But because whoever had won uh, third and fourth place, they both left. And he, and he was like fifth place. <laughs> and he got bumped up. Third by default. Oh, yeah, by yeah. default. And I'll never forget that. But that was all part of my experience of starting stand-up comedy. And then by then, um, I had met my... Um, my first wife uh, at a comedy club. She worked there. Um, and uh, we kind of like began a family and then we kind of contacted, you know, like she had like a good reputation for uh, with comedians that come through the area. So um, they in turn, you know, felt that they would show her some love and, hey, this is my, my boyfriend, my husband. Would you hook them up with some time if you're somewhere in this area? Could you and and they got me like little showcases here, showcases there, and that's how my comedy career ran. And from there, it just kind of like took off. I never, um, for all the people that I had a few people that were mentors, but for all the people that would just give me like those random shots, they would believe in me and like and they would drop my my name and and then when I would go there, I would deliver and then I would deliver and deliver and I would drive places and I just worked hard and. I think I had the month of August booked up and I had a family at home and everything. I had the month of August booked up and I quit my job, my day job that I had. So and you went from zero to 100 pretty quickly as far as being on stage and all at once, this is your career. Yeah. I mean, is that something, did you anticipate that or did no. you want that? or? I, it just happened. Yeah. Like I would always ask uh, older uh, veteran comics, I'd be like, how would you know when that moment was? What would, what would be that defining moment? And they were, they were like, you would know. You just You just would know. And then... And then, it, and then I would see them like performing in all these different places, and I was like, man, I wish I could do that. I wish that could be my life. And they, and I would talk about the money, and they'd be like, that's not a lot of money. I'd be like, yeah, $500 is a lot of money, because guess what? I make $500 like now, and I'm working for it, and I don't like doing what I'm doing. Right, right. But then when I got on the road, and I was like, $500 is not a lot of money, <laughs> right. because first of all- You can burn through that in no time. Yeah, we're not even talking taxes taken out yet. Yeah. And then on top of that, we're not talking about gas to get there, gas back. And food that you got to eat there like it's so much comedy is a business where people understand where people see you and they say oh well i, I could be funny as that guy oh he's not that funny yeah you may think that but guess what i'm maintaining this and 10 other jobs to go up under the title of a stand-up comedian yeah like you got to be your own you have to get your own switches on work for 52 weeks out of the year there's a lot that goes into the business, and you have to maintain. You have to maintain with hecklers, deal with people not showing up. You have to deal with weather. You have to watch weather. You have to deal with, like, sometimes putting your uh, own money up uh, for a hotel. You have to deal with putting the credit card down. Do you have a credit card for down for incidentals? You know, it's a lot of things that, that go into comedy that people just think it's all about funny. And funny is the, you know what? Everybody can be funny at some point in time. It's something. Everybody says something funny at least one time in their life. And I believe that God blesses us with all different gifts. You know, some people can bake. Some people can cook. Some people can talk really, really well. Some people can sing. Some people have that. Like when you hear rappers with distinct voices, like you think that they have no choice but to have been that job. You know what I mean? Like that job was they were for destined them. for that. Destined for yeah. that. I mean, some people who are teachers, who are librarians, they're so nice, especially like uh, primary teachers, you know, the lower lower grades. Um, and you think, man, that person is so nice. 
And then when you go to a school teacher or a librarian, like, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Because you you could only be, if you didn't do that job, you'd be a straight weirdo. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Then when the ones that are really super nice, but. Well, you've been doing this for 16 years now. Do you like that? The, the things that go with comedy, I mean, having to manage your career and having to set up the gigs. I mean, like you said, the funny part almost at some point becomes the easy part. Getting on stage for you is the vacation part of it. Well, everything this, that goes with it is the work. At this point, I don't think that I actually, uh, that I can say that I like it. I think it, it pretty much chose me. Yeah. Like I, I never, can you see yourself doing anything else? No, nope. It's, it's like, uh, it's almost like comedy is to me, it's kind of like, um, the equivalent of, I don't know if you're familiar with comic books, but the equivalent of Venom, the black Spider-Man. And you put on that suit. Now, anybody could put on the suit of Venom. It's like that alien creature. And once Venom gets on you, it just magnifies. It brings out the evil in you, which you already had. If you weren't that evil, then it brings out a little, kind of like a Peter Parker. Gotcha. But then, depending on, if, it's, if Venom gets on the wrong person, and it could be nasty. So, like, uh, comedy gets on you, and you kind of just adjust to where it takes you and some people it gets the best of them some people you know they, they get into drugs some people they get into fame they just do crazy stuff it just it just goes different directions depending on how the suit fits you yeah but it's not I don't think that um, I don't think that people that are in comedy or in it by chance is it was it was chosen for them and yeah can I work at a regular job yeah I could work at a regular job I've worked at regular jobs I've had six I've actually had like 100 jobs, but on stage I say I had 62 different jobs. Because if I say 100, I'm like, this guy's crazy. He has no patience. Um, but it was always like I was upgrading. I was getting bored. I was going to do something else a little bit more. I was doing something. I never, I've never. i only gotten fired like off of a couple jobs, and and nobody wants to get fired off of a job. But one job that I got fired off of is because I was I went off on a guy because I, I worked at a flower place. And he had the alley blocked, and I had to get these certain stops. It was a really expensive flower place, and he was parked in back of a church. And um, he was like, uh, you know, he never would come out, and I'm honking horn for a while. And then I'm like, <laughs> and, he, and he, he blocked an alley. I couldn't go anywhere else. And yeah. so then he came out, and he's, he's an older guy, and he was like, he was like, oh, yeah, just you just hold your horses. He's pointing my face and stuff and saying all kinds of stuff. I was like, you know, and I couldn't take it. And I was like, hey, man, I will kick your ass. <laughs> Well, I had this big old the flower guy. Yeah, and he had in my flower shop right on, obviously he calls in yeah, yeah. to the distribution center and he reports me whatever and they call me in office and like then they want to give me it, this is it had to be from a flower company. They wanted to give me an exit interview. Uh I don't think so. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> How about the exit interview was when you said that you I'm going to lose your job. Why did we have to discuss why I'm leaving this place? Yeah. I already know from the guy on the alley. And if yeah. I ever see him, I'm throwing strawberries at him <laughs> with whipped cream on him. And let him know how I feel about him. That'll hurt him. <laughs> now, going back to the venom analogy, I like that idea mm -hmm. of putting the suit on and it just sort of, uh, you know, exaggerates your, your innate personality. So when you first started working on the road, there are some... Uh, uh, you know, some enticements there that could be a bad thing. Did you struggle with that at all when you first started doing of course, man. road work? Of and, course. And, and how do you adjust to that as a father and as a businessman? Everything outside of sort of that comedy fame element of it, how do you get your feet under you to say, look, I got to settle down and I got to kind of keep my head on my shoulders? And You know what? Um, prayer helped me. Help me. I'm, I'm not a, a religious person. I'm a spiritual person. And I've always wanted to be a better person, per se. Like I don't, I don't care what anybody else does, but I always want to make myself a better person daily. I know I'm a jerk sometimes, you know. Like I know about me. I study myself 
more than anybody studies me. And I've always felt there's always room for improvement. So um, I just, I, I talk to a lot of older people. I, like I'm, I'm a vintage guy, like older houses, older cars, older architecture, older clothing, older everything. Um, and so a lot of my great friends are older and I like to learn from them. And when you see stuff like that, especially like veteran comedians, you know, you just watch stuff. I was hanging out with a couple guys in uh, Toledo, Ohio, Perrysburg, Ohio. And, uh, and like, you know, when you meet sometimes, you meet a couple people and uh, you talk about this, you talk about that, talk about last night, I did this and that. And all of a sudden, these guys were talking about what prescriptions they were using. And I was like, holy cow, is this what I have to look forward to? Is this, is this it? We're going to be exchanging... <laughs> You know, health tips, health <laughs> tips, and and insurance tips and stuff like that. Like I just wasn't, and then I started really just sitting back and thinking, and like I had to readjust my my uh, vision for my career for the future of my career. Yeah, and I and I and then I came to the conclusion I just didn't want to do stand up comedy anymore. I wanted to do like other stuff in the business as well as making sure that I was putting model citizens in the world. So my focus became different, and I wanted to make sure that my balance for uh, for my, my children were a good balance with my career because my, my career would be nothing without my family. And I don't really think that I could uh, learn to appreciate my family the way I, that I have if it wasn't for stand-up comedy because, like, I see so many things. I see so many cultures going around the world. Like, I... I see so many families, and I get to be around a lot of people. And there, I'm a, I'm a lot of people's extended family on the road. Like some people think that uh, they don't have any idea about com comedians, but you know, you you kind of bond with certain people on the road because you're away from your family. And right. I just don't hang out with anybody on the road. Like like when I go there, like if we're friends, this is my routine. I'm going to see you and you and you when I come back here, and I'm gonna be extended your extended family. I have I have a guy that I, I met in the uh, military over in uh, Camp Ramadi over in Iraq uh, years ago and we're like brothers man like I've, he, he's gotten me work at casinos like hooked me up with somebody he knew through uh, him doing some DJ work um, you know I met his family I went to his grandkids uh, birthday parties we've they've come him and his wife they come to numerous shows I've had throughout the region over in the uh, Pacific Northwest and after like 30 years in the military he's retiring uh this august so i'm going to his retirement party nice and it's it's something like i have to stop life and go to because this man has supported me him and his wife they've supported me i've dedicated uh, uh part of my cd to them uh my last cd that came out but it's just you know you meet, you meet certain people like that i just uh i had a good friend named danny in um wichita kansas an attorney and this guy, he he's super cool. He, he like he give he gave me like a coffee mug, a flashlight when I left there. He's like, take this out of the road with you. This this flashlight does like fifty things and it doubles as a weapon in case somebody tries to attack you. I was like, okay, <laughs> that's cool. Thank you. I call him for legal advice, you know. Just but it's it's just things that I've met some of the most amazing people in the world, and I've seen the world, and I understand the culture, and I understand what I want my kids to be like, and I understand what it feels like to really be a father, and I miss my kids and. Like I probably like I don't care for anything else other than my kids. I mean, my, obviously my mom, I love yeah, my mom yeah. to death, my sister to death, and you know I've I've you know cousins and stuff like that. But I mean, my kids are just like my my driving fuel. You know what I mean? Like it's nothing else that like you hear rappers talking about. I want this. I want that. Like all I want to do is see my kids smiling, and I want to see them develop. Nice. 
Well, Chris Shaw, man, it has been a pleasure to meet with you, my friend. You've Thank got you, more positive energy than I've ever experienced in this room. Right on, so, man. Yeah, so best of luck this weekend and look Thank forward you. to catching up with you the next time you roll through. Thank you, brother. All right, man. Have a good one. So there you have it, stand-up comedian Chris Shaw. My thanks to Chris for being on the show. As you can probably tell from the pace and tone of our conversation, Chris definitely took advantage of all that Colorado Springs has to offer. He did a live periscope of our interview. I don't know the first thing about how that works, but you should be able to track it down on his Twitter feed at the Real Chris Shaw. Thanks to Eric and the folks at Looney's Comedy Corner for their continued support. And as always, thank you for listening to In the Springs. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a second to post a positive review on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast media. Until next time, I'm Ryan Lowry, and we'll see you again right here in the Springs. Springs.